Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take The Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume The Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume The Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary. Wow, buddy! You look healthy and happy. Veterinary surgeon and natural pet food pioneer John Burns knows the positive impact a natural diet has on our beloved pets. That's why he developed Burns Pet Nutrition. Hmm. Maybe I should try some of your pet food myself. Okay, okay. I'll start with a salad. For natural, no nasty, wholesome recipes, choose Burns Pet Nutrition. Available from veterinary clinics and all good pet shops across Ireland. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. You can be extradited if there's an equivalent charge and an equivalent sense of a a justice system, effectively. Murders is illegal in every country. Those sort of charges tend to be pretty straightforward but something like this conspiracy for the course of justice there doesn't seem to be or at least the spanish court judge there wasn't an equivalent charge within the spanish justice system and therefore it's kind of unjust for somebody in spain to be extradited to face this charge i'm nicola talent and you're listening to crime world a podcast about criminals drugs and the sins of the underworld in ireland and across the globe Spanish judges have approved the extradition of Kinahan mobster Liam Byrne to the UK, where he's set to go on trial with his brother-in-law, Thomas Bomber Kavanagh, and others for weapons offences. In jail in a Palma prison since his arrest on Mallorca earlier this year, he will now face the journey back to the dock and the case against him compiled by the National Crime Agency. But where did it all go wrong for the head of the Byrne Organised Crime Group and his brother-in-law, the mighty bomber Kavanagh, who once held the position as Daniel Kinahan's number two? Did they believe they were untouchable, that they had perfected their trade in wholesale drug dealing and that they would never be caught? Today, I'm talking to Niall Donald about the fall of Liam Byrne and his uncertain future doing porridge. This is Crime World a podcast from sundayworld.com. I'm liking the new plants in the studio. Yeah, they, 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 they're they great, aren't they? Right, they place up a bit, don't they? They do. Uh, the, it is quite like uh, Jonathan Ross. Jonathan Ross used to have plants behind him. Did he? He did. And it also has that kind of Colombian jungle feel. That was what we were going for. Yeah. As if we are podcasting from the Colombian jungle. Exactly. But maybe we, maybe we are. about some of our cocaine cowboys yes um anyway those plants we had them lined up here in front of us and yeah they Clodagh took them out of the way she said it looked ridiculous yeah it looked a bit like a, I'm a celebrity get me out of here that's exactly what it looked like <laughs> it, it did except for yeah, there's only one celebrity here that's me anyway um I'll let you have that Liam Byrne was once pictured through the fauna um was. actually no that was a great picture it was taken in 2018 Liam Byrne had left Ireland in the aftermath of his brother's murder at the Regency Hotel 
and had basically gone to ground. And we had a tip off that he was living on the Dost Hill Road in Tamworth near his brother-in-law, Thomas Bomber Kavanagh. Um, and we did track him down to the house where he was out watering his beautifully kept lawn. Yep. Um, the house, incidentally, was uh, later discovered to be owned by a company registered to Morris Signs, a very good friend of the Byrne grouping and Thomas Bomber Kavanagh. Um, anyway, that's a little bit of background yep. to that picture. But Liam Byrne has been... Uh, peeking through the fauna in uh, a Spanish jail for the last couple of months since he was arrested um, on Mallorca on a holiday with his family, having flown in through from Dubai. I don't know whether it's a direct flight, but certainly he had been in Dubai. Um, and he was picked up and arrested and he's been in jail ever since fighting this extradition back to the UK on firearms charges. Yeah, I mean, it's... it's look, these, these extradition fights, they're, they're, they're a shot in the dark, really, aren't they? I mean, some of his excuses were that he, he, you know, that he couldn't, he wouldn't be safe in the British prison system because it's overcrowded and it's dangerous. And it's human rights, was it not? It's it's human rights, his human rights could be violated because they couldn't guarantee his security. Um, unlike uh, Spain, where it's obviously, uh, you know, five-star standard yeah. prisons. But he, he came before um, three judges in a, the High Court in Madrid this week um, and they approved the extradition. Um, and he he will still be allowed appeal against that decision, just like in Ireland, where people you know they're agreed to be extradited. They still have another yeah. another couple of appeals to go, where they can appeal to ultimately to to a supreme court. But you know your chances path is paved for him to be path, going back be, exactly, in the dock in a exactly. UK court, and it's almost inevitable. You have to say, I mean, the, you know. Some of the, these things, these sort of wild legal strategies just don't seem to hold any water. Yeah. So he's in jail, we heard, in Palma, yeah. um, which is the capital of Mallorca, where his family have uh, long links and where Bomber Kavna and others have properties in the Calador region. He um, is likely to come back to the UK, but a bit of a win for him in that the Spanish judges didn't back this conspiracy end of the charges, which the UK brought, uh, want to bring against him. Now, in the background here is this situation where we believe guns were discovered in Newry, and it was as Thomas Bomber Kavanagh was facing a very lengthy sentence for drug trafficking, and um, he didn't get weapons, he got money laundering and drug trafficking. Yeah. And what the UK authorities are saying was in the background the bomber Kavanaugh tried to cut a deal and tried to hand up some weapons, basically, uh, in order to get a, a lesser sentence. Yeah. It appears what happened to him was that he tried to cut that deal. The UK authorities went and collected those weapons in Newry, but they did him for it anyway. Well, they did, and they didn't just do him for the for the weapons. They done him for conspiracy to 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 try and do this deal, basically, which is, you know. Like in my experience of people dealing with people in in the underworld, they always believe these deals are being done, and maybe some of them are, or maybe some of them have been over the years. But they always believe that there's people doing these deals where they give something and they get off this. I mean, you will know that yourself. Yeah. Like I'm sure these things have happened, but in this case, certainly, and I I do believe they happen far less than people think. But in this case, certainly, the, maybe the, the, we don't know the exact details, but maybe the British police 
suggested that they might be into doing a deal, but they've done them twice now, or they've they've charged them twice. They haven't been convicted. Now, Liam Byrne so was facing weapons charges uh, effectively and conspiracy to to hide weapons or or whatever the charge was. And the court in the UK, just before we get onto it, uh, was told that the evidence that they will rely on in these cases came from the EncroChat network. Yeah. So it was from conversations or messages that yeah. was going between the phones of presumably Bomber Kavanagh, Liam Byrne, Jack Kavanagh, his son, yeah. and now Patrick Keating is also, the UK authorities wants to, want to extradite him from Ireland to yeah. uh, the UK on these charges. Yeah, so the, the Spanish, uh, the win for Liam Byrne has been that, you know, the, the basics of extradition are that, um, you know, you have to be, you can be extradited if there's an equivalent charge and a, an equivalent sense of a, a justice system effectively. So if somebody is charged with murder, murder is, is illegal in every country. They t- Those sort of charges tend to be pretty straightforward. But something like uh, conspir- this conspiracy charge, um, this conspiracy to prefer the course of justice, there doesn't seem to be, or at least the Spanish court judge, there wasn't an equivalent charge within the Spanish justice system. And therefore, it's kind of unjust for somebody in Spain to be extradited to face this charge. So they've rejected the Spanish judges that bit of it. They are allowing the UK, they're basically sanctioning the extradition of Byrne on the weapons charges. On the weapons charges, um, which is obviously, um, you know, could be the, 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 the more serious aspect of it for sure. Um, but a conspiracy holds life sentence in the UK. It holds life sentence, to, and, that, and that could be that could be that could have been a factor as well. In that there could be a conspiracy charge in Spain, but it might conspiracy holds that. Sentence well, here. no, it doesn't. I mean, I, I suppose there's there's it depends on uh, exactly. So they, it it wouldn't here. I mean, certainly no. conspiracy charges tend to be lower, but that could be a factor in what the the, the Spanish court's yeah. decision. We haven't seen the full published decision. But, you know, if somebody can be sentenced to life for something where in Spain it calls a much more minor tariff, then that could be a factor in the extradition as well, in that being rejected. So there has to be some equivalence normally, um, you know, and obviously then there would be a factor in that the, the UK is outside of the European Union and that makes these things slightly more complicated for sure. Now, Jack Kavanagh, who's Bomber Kavanagh's son, who was arrested transiting from Dubai to Turkey. Yeah. He uh, is also in prison in Spain and he's facing the extradition while his, we haven't got a copy of how that went yesterday. It's the same charges he's wanted on. So it's very likely the outcome would be exactly the same for him. Yeah, you would think so. They do have separate legal teams. Um, so there may be a different aspect to it uh, in terms of the defence that they're mounting. Um, but it, you know, and Lean Byrne obviously can appeal, but if you were to, if you were a betting person, you'd say that they will all end up before the courts in the UK in not too long. And Patrick Keating as well, mm. who's gone through the same, the equivalent process in Ireland, hasn't been sent over yet. But the, the clock is ticking and they, they very likely... So Liam Byrne would be Jack Kavanagh's uncle. Jack Kavanagh's uncle, yeah. 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 Because of course, this is... Um, I mean, look, we we sort of travel between calling it the Byrne Organised Crime Group and the bomb and the Kavanaugh. Yeah, I mean, bomber Thomas Bomber Kavanaugh oversees the group. Yeah, the Byrne Organised Crime Group was centred in Crumlin in Dublin for a long time, and they were the most significant 
grouping aligned to the Kinahan organization during those very sort of um, lucrative years, I suppose, yeah. between sort of 2000 up to 2015, 16, when yeah. everything started going wrong. And Liam Byrne himself was living in Ireland um, up until 2016. He was living in a house around the corner from his parents' home in Rally Square in Crumlin. His parents, James and Sadie Byrne, James Jaws Byrne being a, a veteran criminal. Yeah. And opposite them, just a stone's throw away, lived David Byrne with his partner. And again, another stone's throw away, lived Sean McGovern. Yep. It was almost like a little sort of fortress they were living in. They were all sort of could see one another's homes and very tight knit group. Um, and obviously they were the three significant uh, figureheads in the Byrne organized crime group. I'm talking about McGovern, David Byrne and Liam Byrne. Um, but there was a lot of people underneath them doing their bidding. They were a very violent grouping. They had never any second thought about going to to feud, to battle with another grouping. They really had iron, cast iron control over the drugs. Yeah, I mean, In certainly. that significant area and beyond. Yeah, and, and beyond. I mean, I think that if you look at areas like... Um, you know, West Dublin, Clondalk and places like that. And in, in Talla, they had uh, client operations there, I suppose they could be described as, where people were making huge amounts of money. Um, and you'd have only a couple of people in those areas who deal directly with the, the top of the burn organised crime group. They had links all through Limerick, through Munster. Um, they really were the the Irish wing of the the Kinnahan cartel, and Thomas Bomber Kavanagh obviously was based in Birmingham for years, and he was the kind of most significant cartel associate in the UK. Yeah, he was he was controlling the drugs coming in uh, in there, and I heard during his um, during the sentence hearing about the amount of drugs he was bringing in through um, Belgium yeah. and through this kind of simple yet complicated system where they had taken sort of machinery they had um what would you call it they had uh like hollowed it out hollowed it out i was gonna say taken the insides out of it and and coated it in something that was unpenetrable by x-ray uh equipment they were using it they were transporting it through fake companies from belgium across europe into the uk and beyond obviously stashed with drugs on the way in and stashed with cash on the way back out. Yeah. And it was a very well-oiled machine. Over the years, I think Gardy in certainly Ireland, working that Crumlin beat, just were able to see the wealth, the growing wealth of Kavanagh and the Byrne brothers and their associates. Um, Kavanagh was well-known to come in and out of Dublin. He always travelled by boat and always drove a bigger and fancier car each time, was laden down with gifts and jewellery for everybody. Um, you know, was over and back a lot. Of course, he's married to Joanne Byrne, Liam and David Byrne's sister. But when you when you think about where they were all at, take 2014, two years before it all starts going wrong, and the kind of lifestyle we were able to see they were living. Yeah, and I think Thomas uh, Kavanagh at that stage would have been in the top echelon of of drug dealers in the UK. I mean, I don't. I think it was a one said said to us he was in the top twenty. Mm. Uh, biggest drug dealers in the UK. But I don't think the police had really 
penetrated his operation over there in any massively significant well, they way. They had in 2009, yeah. but they he got away yeah. because his cousin James Mulvey yeah. was actually caught, even though he went yeah. on the run for a number of years and was eventually arrested in Lithuania. But Bomber Kavanagh had prided himself on staying one step a, yeah. away from all the operations. He was very careful with his phones. He was very careful with who he kind of brought in and who he got yeah, to do he anything had a lot for of him. people with relatively little criminal history working for him. Uh, you know, obviously some of them ended up in prison, but they didn't tend to have, they weren't, uh, you obviously had people like Graham Kavanagh or Graham the weak wheeling over there at times, but he also had very sort of cleaner people. They certainly had these, up, uh, you know, they were certainly supplying people in Scotland very heavily and without a shadow of a doubt, they were big players in Liverpool's drug scene. Um, they tended to have the same types of operations that moving stuff through using the car trade to, to clean money and um, having people in rented cars um, having sort of compartments in cars. There yeah. was a sort of modus operandi of everybody who who, wor- who worked with Thomas Kavanagh. But I, I mean, it's certainly up until the feud really kicked off in earnest and the police and the UK police and the Guardies start, start working together. I mean, Thomas Kavanagh was living in an absolute mansion. Mm. I mean, it was, you know, and he seemed yeah. to be quite comfortably living there uh, you know, I don't think you would have got away with that in, in Ireland. Like it's, uh, you know, I said 2014, let's say 2013. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Now they were at the height of their game. Yeah. And he was living in Tamworth in the house on mm. Sutton Road. Um, premiership footballers. Yeah. I mean, this is really nice, yeah. leafy Birmingham. Yeah. Very wealthy. Yeah. Lovely little village yeah. with fancy eateries and bars and all the rest of it. He lived in a gated mansion. The house sat in the middle yeah. of a beautiful site yeah. overlooking fields to the front. Out the back, he had a bar at the back of his garden. Um, we saw pictures inside the house during the the case in, in the UK when he was eventually caught and jailed. And of course, he is serving a sentence now. We'll come to that. But inside the house was just opulent. I mean, you know, not everybody's taste perhaps, but yeah. nonetheless, so much money. And during a raid that was um, conducted in association with the Garda Siakona on that house, um, I mean, I spoke to officers from the National Crime Agency that were involved at the time and they were actually shocked by the amount of goods, yeah. material yeah. goods in those in that house. I mean, they found handbags stashed down the back of sofas, stuffed with money of different currencies. They found something like 27 pairs of designer jeans in one wardrobe alone. Yeah. Every wardrobe was stuffed with Canada Goose, with Montclair, with all these designer brands. There was cash lying around. There was jewellery lying around. They found store cards. And, you know, the evidence of this will eventually come up during the proceeds of crime case against him. That showed purchases of like millions. Yeah. They were very materialistic. They were very much on top of their game. They'd convinced everybody in the neighbourhood that they had the Midas touch when it came to the secondhand car business. Because, of course, he'd left Ireland after the cab went after him here. He'd gone out to Birmingham. And he had set up TK Motors, yeah. which ultimately didn't exist. Actually, no, it was a, we went a boiler. For it, it was a it a was a boilerplate company, as yeah. they call it, yeah. um, where they they have a, a sort of registered office, and they might even have a plaque on the wall. But yeah. there's no particular uh, business, and I mean, presumably there was a, a degree of business to allow it to to function at all. But yeah, it was certainly on paper. It was it was functioning. I mean, they had. 
these properties we've spoken about in Calador, which is one of the most expensive parts of Mallorca. They were on holidays in Cancun. Everything was absolute five-star luxury. Joanne Byrne, when she had a birthday party, she took 20 or so friends, first class all the way to Vegas. Yeah. Uh, everything was paid for. Everything was looked after. Um, back home in Dublin, we had Liam Byrne living in a house in the neighborhood he grew up in maybe, but he had doubled it in size. He had constructed a like a... a you know, an incredible extension. The cab later valued at 750,000, three times the actual value of the house. Yeah. Um, And David Byrne again was living in a house that had been really nicely done up. And they were driving around in the finest of motors. They were regularly um, spotted in around Grafton Street, eating in restaurants. Staying in in five-star hotels. Yeah. Mixing uh, with some people that they, in high society places, yeah. minor celebrities, reality TV stars. They had trackies. made it. Yeah. They, they had. had made it. And again, Liam Byrne and Sean McGovern had a front company here in Dublin, LS Active Car Sales, which again was using the car industry as, you know, a front for what was going on in the background. But like the difference of 10 years, yeah. and we look at where they all are now. Yeah. Sean McGovern. He's in Dubai. He's wanted on murder charges here yeah. for the murder of Noel Duckhead Kerwin, the monk's friend who was shot dead in his driveway um, before Christmas of 2017. Uh, Liam Byrne, he's in prison in Palma. He's just basically been told the Spanish are extraditing him to the UK yeah. where he's going to face firearms charges. Bomber Kavna. Yeah, he's behind bars. What was the prison again? I think it was. I can't remember the prison, but it was. I mean, he's a twenty-two year sentence, is it or twenty-one? Sentence, yeah. yeah. So he's in there. He's jailed in the UK. They serve half those and half on license, but he has a proceeds of crime case coming at him. Yeah, and if he doesn't pay up what they say he owes, yeah, he will possibly serve out the rest of that 22-year sentence. And of course, he's facing more charges now as well. He's facing more charges now. Um, his own network then in Ireland, some of the, the other key players like like Pater Keating is also facing possible extradition to the UK, but is already serving a sentence for being, I suppose, dragged into the plot to kill Mago Gately. Yeah. Um, and some of that network beneath Pater Keating are also in prison for for equivalent crimes so it's been dismantled um, and lean burn, it's it's gradually gone up the ladder, hasn't it? Mm-hmm. Like you've gone I mean, from- it has. It's just, I mean, when you think about it, like, did they think they were untouchable then in 2013? The way they behaved, the, you know, the selfies from the McGregor fights in Vegas, the lifestyles they were leading. Um you know, the future must have looked really bloody rosy. Oh, I think it I think they totally did. I mean, I think like they had certainly they they had a couple of innovations that they brought in. Um a lot of it to do with cars, for example. I mean, they had was a sort of innovative technique where they were driving around these what appeared to be rental cars. Um now Cab ultimately said they were beneficially owned by by the people in question. But they seem to have come up with a strategy to 
to allow them to drive around cars that couldn't be seized by the authorities, that they could explain, I'm just renting this out. Um, they seem to have, uh, certainly Bomber Kavanaugh seems to have bought a house and been happily living there without fear of showing some of that wealth. Um, they had properties abroad that they felt were untouchable. Um, they obviously felt that they were far away enough, they had enough steps away from the actual product, the drugs that, okay, there's going to be seizures off them. Some of their guys might be done, might be caught with stuff, but they were one step removed that they couldn't be caught. And of course... They mastered their art as such, or so they believed. They did. And like, you know, people sort of always ask, you know, tell us quickly how the feud began and you sort of go to say, well, there was a fallout between Gary Hutch and Darren and all that. But ultimately, it began with that greed and that absolute sense of untouchability that everybody had. And, you know, as they all got richer and richer and richer, they all couldn't understand why he had that and I didn't have that. Yeah. And why has he got more money? And, why is... and there was jealousies starting in particular, I think, about the Byrne organization because they had it so nailed on and were just so and I mean, wealthy. If you go back to Jared Hatchett Kavanagh, of course, who was who was murdered by the, the broader Kennehan cartel. I mean, that was one of the first really significant falling out. I mean, Jared Hatchett Kavanagh was a very significant drug dealer. Um, he was Bomber Kavanagh's cousin. So was related to the Burns through that. Um, but he was shot dead in Spain. Um, and that was, again, a dispute broadly about money. And and even though he was... Accusations of pocketing money yeah. and various other things have been thrown up um, in relation to it. But they're the absolute epitome of really why... Mm. you shouldn't ever think you got away with it, aren't they? I mean... No, because it's a funny thing when you take on the state. I mean, you can get away with it now, but it's, it it just shows you how the chickens come back mm. to roost. Is that the, the correct saying? A long time the hens, later. Hens, is it not? Well, I don't know. Is the hens coming into I don't know. I'm already... Yeah, it's the... Questioning yourself now. I'm I am. Myself. I am. But I mean, it's the state... The state operates differently than the criminal underworld. And, and but do you know... Like they did that essentially to themselves because they were, I remember between 2013, 14, 15, just going, where are the Criminal Assets Bureau? Where are the Guardian? And of course they had sort of, there was this, you know, fabulous gold rush for them because cocaine was being produced in larger quantities in Colombia. The demand for it was growing all the time. They had established this money laundering transportation network, which was running very slick. Um, And the guards didn't seem to have the resources to come after them because, of course, there was all the recruitment uh, freezes within the Garda Shikona. There was all the problems within the Garda Shikona, the political problems within the organization. And it appeared that, you know, they hadn't been targeted as such. It was the Regency Hotel moment. It was that moment when the 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 eyes of the world and law enforcement from across Europe came to Dublin to look and say, how the hell did that happen? Yeah, I mean, I think there seemed to have been a, a renewed determination to go after the top of these organisations. I think there was a period of time where it felt like the um, the guards were seizing drugs and, you know, arresting people for murders who who committed them. But that seemed to be the, the level that they were targeting or, you know, but it was only really after the Regency that laws that had been signed many years before, anti-gangland laws, 
were starting to be used regularly. I mean, those laws are on the books for a long time and they they were almost never brought before court. But, you know... There was another little part of it, though, that was happening as well, and that was this establishment of cooperation. And I mean, there's no doubt that was happening because I recall when Bomber Kavanagh, in those years I'm talking about, 10 years ago, was coming in and out. There was Gardaí working the beat big time on the drug gangs who would have loved to have had the resource and the cooperation to go after him. But there didn't seem to be that relationship with the UK and which is what was needed. And obviously when the raids happened eventually on Kavanagh's home in England, there was publicity, there was photographs yeah. of, of the Garda Siakona uniform and uh-huh. the NCA yeah. uniform shoulder to shoulder. Yeah. Um, and that relationship did have to exist because I remember going out to, you know, we were investigating Bomber Kavanagh, his network, his, you know, his car company and all the rest of it. And it would have been around 2015 and speaking to certain contacts of mine and they were sort of basically wishing me well and good luck. And they were interested in what Mm. I came back with. I mean, I was a journalist, you know what I mean? Same thing happened in relation to when Mick McCaffrey was hunting down John Trainer that time, which was well pre-2016. It could have been 12, 13. I remember at the time where Trainer was, was of interest to the Guardi here. So there seemed to have been a breakdown of communication for some reason. Yeah, and of course, like Bob McCavanagh had registered his companies in his own name, at his own address. Uh, there was, you know, things that, that that you don't see, but it was a different time. Remember, Daniel Kinnan was tweeting away on his own on his own Twitter page, yeah. you know? I mean, it was a, it was a different, yeah. okay? Like, it was a different time. But I mean, we talk about always the Regency in that moment, yeah. and then all of a sudden there's this political will. But actually, you know, what's going on in Europe at yeah. the same time is very, very relevant. And there are certain things happening in the Netherlands, certain things happening in the UK and, you know, in Spain and obviously with the DEA in the US that are, of course, all coming together and and it's turning the tide against the gangsters. Yeah, and not to get into the geopolitical stuff too heavy because we'll only get in trouble. Yeah. Uh, But you can see, you know, obviously what's going on in Gaza at the moment um, you know, is has the eyes of the world, particularly the eyes of the US. Mm. Um, and in the middle of that, uh, you know, there's there's rockets being fired by Hezbollah at, at Hamas, Israel. Yeah, Hamas. Well, no, there's there's rockets being fired by Hezbollah from from uh, from the Lebanon. Yes, from the border with yeah. Israel. So obviously, the, the majority of the the attacks are are from yeah. Gaza. But so that's Hezbollah. Yeah. And Hezbollah are already funding Hamas anyway. Well, it, but so, but Hezbollah are mixed in with all of this European super cartel. Yeah. And I mean, that is that is a big part of it. And it's not to connect everything back, but you know, the 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 role of Hezbollah in the in the in the attacks in Gaza are certainly a huge focus for the American government. And we've seen just last week um the the Raphael Imperiale trial opened in 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 Italy, in Naples, and as part of that, there was a big discussion about the Hawala system, which we've talked about again, and the fact that that is at least part operated by Hezbollah as a a way to fundraise for themselves. It's been used by European gangs. Uh, I think they... Describe them as exchange men. Yeah. In in the they're Raphael getting their twenty percent cut, ten to twenty percent, and that is, so that is you know part of why all of this attention has come probably from the DEA 
from the U.S. government, why they're sanctioning the Guineans, is that linked to Hezbollah. Now, the Guineans don't support Hezbollah and Rafael Imperiale. I'm sure it doesn't give a, a crap about the, you know, the, the situation in Gaza one way or the other. But all of those, by, by, by using that network to launder money, to move money even more so than launder it, but to move it around the globe, um, and Hezbollah, of course, have been, uh, you know, seen in South America. All of that has has dragged this attention, I think, onto the Kinnahan cartel. I think Christy Kinnahan's a very political animal when we look at some of the is, stuff he was he tweeting he kind is, of yeah. under his Christopher yeah. Vincent yeah. moniker. I mean, he was very into those regions of the world where... Oh, yeah, he was. A, he would have been a, a, an anti-American... Uh, which is nothing wrong with that, I have to say. Um, that that people that's a legitimate point of view. I'm not saying that, but like absolutely, that it just shows you how these things are interconnected and how, you know, look. Let's be honest. The Americans don't aren't going to allow groups like Hezbollah to function if they can't stop them. You know. Well, I mean, it has to be very concerning for them that they could have taken a twenty percent cut of the cocaine for the last ten years. Oh, yeah, years. I mean, and look, like that is what is being said that there was Hezbollah were implanted in 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 South America, and that's what they were doing. Uh, it's mm. the movement of of money is really what's describing that Rafael Imperiale, where they said that that they need that that shadow economy to function, where they can ring somebody up and say, "I've received a million, release a million there." And that there is no really other other way to do it, and no. that that was the the grease that allowed it to go to go along the, the drugs trade and allowed people to operate it from places like Dubai, where they didn't have to be meeting people and handing over, mm-hmm. you know, wads of cash. However, it's brought this other attention on them. I do believe that. Yeah. Uh, oh, know. most definitely. Yeah. And speaking of which, I mean, we were only discussing the other day how 20 tonnes of uh, cocaine leaves Colombia every month from the Clan del Golfo yeah. alone. Um, and obviously we had our own 157 million euro haul off the Cork, Waterford, Wexford coast in the last um, couple of weeks on the MV Matthew. But more cocaine has been bobbing around, this time the North Sea and the Belgian Navy picked it up. Yeah, I mean, the Belgian Navy picked up 210 kilos of cocaine um, in the last couple of days. Um, it's basically the cocaine is, again, it's sort of vacuum-packed, waterproof, implanted in kind of life jacket, so it's able to float. Um, clearly, the belief is that somebody was, it's thrown in there and, you know, maybe with a tracking device and somebody's due to collect it. Um, there was another occasion over the weekend where, a load of bales of cocaine washed up in uh, Dorset and then on the Isle of Wight as well. Um, so look, this we is... We got quite excited when we saw some police activity down around Sandy Mount. Yeah, yeah. yeah it, was the only, other day. it was only a World Reso War I, texted in. Yeah, World um, War I grenade. So like, I mean, it's just amazing. Like, you know, we are always... These things probably go on all the time, but it's just when you start to see it, that that's obviously the route from, from Ireland to the bottom of the UK and then into, into Northern Europe. There's people obviously floating along in there and throwing cocaine out all the time. And another half ton discovered in Antwerp port, port exactly. this week as well. And so that's the other route where they're coming in in, in legitimate kind of yeah. uh, containers with, with other goods. So it just keeps coming and coming. Yeah. And uh, whether Liam... It was interesting because I was doing a little bit of research recently into um, Taji and the larger gang in the Netherlands and stuff. And I came across something that um, was relevant to all this. And Noafal Fassi, who was mm. known as the Belly or Mr. Couscous, mm. um, 
he is jailed now in the Netherlands. He was uh, actually, he was suspected of carrying out a murder on Dutch territory for the Iranian yep. government. Yeah. As along with other gangland murders that he took on. Um, but he was arrested in Ireland um, in 2016 in a Kinahan safe house. He was the only one of the lads not yeah. at Daniel Kinahan's yeah. wedding because he was yeah. in jail in Port Leash at the time. But anyway, his partner, mm. um, I'm going to say his name was Mohammed S. I, I, I'm nearly 100% sure that was how he was referred to. In the Netherlands, yeah. they don't give the full names no. of the criminals. They just give a sec, a first name and, a, and, a, a, and an, initial. an initial. But he was arrested. So he was one of Noaf al partners. Um, and he was arrested in Colombia. And the Colombian government and law authorities picked him up and they extradited him back to the Netherlands, which was seen as a very kind of a big plus. Mm. Colombia's playing ball with Europe, you know. But as part of the case, and it could have been the extradition proceedings or the case when he came back from the Netherlands, um, it was detailed how he was there as a fixer for shipments. So what that organization were doing, and remember that organization were part of the European super cartel with Daniel Kinahan. They were shipping um, the cocaine directly from South America right across the sea and they were dumping it in the sea with tracker devices attached for fishermen to come out and collect yeah. it. So that was some years ago. So yeah. this is probably is going on for years and years and years. Um, and for some reason, some of it has been caught all of a sudden. There's obviously some intelligence at the moment yeah. as regards which ships to uh, to target or to watch. But as part of it, the evidence as well was this detail, this small detail that there was a fisherman in, in Belgium and he was basically shown by this grouping a picture of his children and he was given a satellite navigation uh, marking coordinate, coordinate yeah. on yeah. where to go and pick up the cocaine. Yeah. And so this guy was obviously being used and threatened and all the rest of it. And it just struck me that, um, you know, this is going on a lot. This is all huge business. Obviously, these drug gangs are finding some willing participants from, um, you know, the fishing industry and various other places like that. They're obviously finding some guys who haven't a clue how to fish or how to even yeah. run a boat and are willing to take their chance. But it makes that sort of industry a little bit vulnerable at the moment. To it does. It does. And of course, these are it's an industry that's vulnerable anyway because exactly. maybe the money that was once to be made in it is just not there anymore. Uh, you know, the fishing, people involved in fishing will tell you again and again how they, they've come under financial pressure. But it just shows you that the, the multiple ways in which these gangs have, oper- have, have learned to get cocaine into countries. Mm-hmm. I mean, they have, they have so many strategies and because of the huge, the huge amount of money to be made, they can throw money at a problem. Um, you know, like you're talking, all of that cocaine that's seized, it's it's still only a, a drop in the ocean, really. Literally. Yeah. So we'll move on. Yeah. No more. Uh, I don't have to formally apologize to Deacon Blue fans or anything no, like that. I'll no. tell you one thing. Yeah. Shout out to my new sponsor, Mike's Bikes in Dunleary. <laughs> no, because I brought my bike in and this yeah. is my, my, my favorite bike yeah. shop and I got a new tire yeah. and a new yeah. tube. Yeah. And I have this like super, I mean, this thing is not going to puncture again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. Okay. So, okay. And I was heard whinging and complaining. I had a bit of a giving out to by um, my pal in there, but uh, nonetheless, I got a new tire. So yeah. I'm going to have to sort of uh, 
declare that somewhere, will I? You'll, you'll have to, yeah. You're, you're, you could be like, the next, uh, yeah. Would that be benefit in kind or something? Yeah, declare it in the before the Oireachtas before the, before you're before the Oireachtas committee. <laughs> we, have to, we have to give a shout out to the girls from Gorey as well. Who we came do. Up from, yes. Who came up for the, uh, the Sunday World 50th. Yeah. And the, the, they don't want to be named. They just want to be the girls from Gorey. Yeah. yeah. Well, more. Safer, and, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> and anyone else? No, I think that's it, you know. Yeah. Deacon Blue fans that were, were angry, were they? No, no, no. no. Actually, I have to say, I yeah. got a number of messages from people yeah. who were attended the concert yeah. to say that you and your focology that you're going yeah. on about, that uh, they were far superior the, to New Order. Yeah, yeah. People who attended both concerts told me that a number of occasions. Right, then these yeah. are pretty, pretty cool people. I haven't heard they? from Ricky Ross, so oh, I'm sorry. No, we're okay. Yeah, we're okay not going to be that. chased down the street by... No. It's been a really busy week, hasn't it? And, um, you know, I'm going to be doing something on the Unalinsky uh, coal case this weekend. Um, there's been a lot going on. There has, and I mean, it's... it's the Cork... The courts begin again, and you know that that also makes it busier. You know, they're only beginning again now. Well, they've been the last couple of weeks. You know, they Have you just missed October. No, 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 no. I mean, they 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 tend to to, to start up. Yeah, no, I know. Begin yeah. again. Yeah, and they take yeah. a while to sort of come to come to an end. So it has been a, it has been a lot, but I mean, there's still the, you know. I still think we'd be waiting for the new year for the big new news. If I think so too, yeah. Um, I mean, it's just how quickly it's kind of coming along though. Um, but this week I just felt between all the sort of the constant flood of stories on cocaine yeah. um, and obviously the situation in Cork. Yeah. It's been really busy on the news desk. It has, it has. And, you know, it's... it's There's a load of stuff happening uh, happening up in the north of Ireland as well that I really want to get onto. Yeah. Um, I'm finding it difficult to find enough time in the week to actually cover all the things I want to cover. Yeah. Um, I... Did you listen to my Tupac Shakur interview? No, but somebody in the office said it, it was what? highly amusing to hear you say, and so what are these crypts and bloods, guys? <laughs> <laughs> and how is Puffy? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so they were, they were. So I did get a message from somebody as well yeah. who wasn't too happy with the that podcast and suggested that we went on one line of the inquiry and we missed the real story, which was something to do with a police officer, corrupt police officer. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and this individual is an avid listener to Crime yeah. World and told me anytime I want information around the Tupac Shakur yeah. murder or other hip-hop crimes yeah. that I should consult, which I will. Exactly, you know, and you do know like rap, it's rap music, it's like singing except for they're, they're speaking the words instead of singing them. That's that, that joking. Be, yeah, just joking. to keep you updated on that so as well. So smart arse this week, aren't you? <laughs> you know, you're just going to get, you know what's going to happen yet? Well, you're just going to get savaged. Right, right. <laughs> I'll have my moment of glory. You'll come in now in mm. something that I'm just going to absolutely tear you apart for. That's what's going to happen to you. Yeah, I'll have, have, I'll have had my moment of you're, glory. You're being brave. My moment in the sun. Brave, very brave. <laughs> yeah. Right, well, look, we better go back and um, go back to your ever-moving website. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Niall. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Crime World, a podcast from sundayworld.com. Produced by Ian Mullaney and edited by me, Nicola Talent. Research assistant is Claude Amini. If you like this show and love true crime, 
leave us a review or why not download the free sundayworld.com app for lots more stories from Ireland and across the globe. Would you like to be able to start conversations like a pro? Take the Sunday World, your daily dose of what's going on. Do not consume the Sunday World if you're involved in a drug cartel, you're a politician with something to hide, or you've appeared on a reality TV show and care about others' opinions. Consume the Sunday World responsibly. Always read the stories, gossip, and commentary.